guys? I'm Ray Belli, and this is Words for Granted, a podcast that looks at how words change over time. Longtime listeners of the show, if you'd like to show your support, you can do so via Patreon. Just head over to patreon.com slash wordsforgranted or click the contribute link on the show's website, wordsforgranted.com. Every little bit adds up. For just a buck a month, you'll gain access to contributors-only bonus episodes and get to walk away with knowing you're supporting the output of this independent show. The latest contributors-only episode looks at the etymologies of alcohol and alkali, and it's an extension of our previous mini-series on Arabic loanwords in English. All right, let's get right to it. Last time, we explored the etymologies of the mathematical terms algebra and algorithm. I thought it would be fun to keep the math theme going for another episode, so I've decided to answer a question that's been bugging me since I was a kid. Like, a really young kid, since way before I had any idea what etymology or linguistics were. At one point or another, this same question may have bugged you too, and today I hopefully am going to put that bug to rest. The question is this. How come the numbers 11 and 12 aren't called 1-teen and 2-teen? I mean, they should be, right? The rest of the numbers from 13 through 19 follow this rule of combining the name of a base digit with the suffix teen. Not only that, but we collectively refer to the numbers from 11 to 19 as the teens. So why do 11 and 12 break this rule? What makes them so special? Well, nothing, or at least nothing intrinsically. Before we get into their specific etymologies, I'd like to make a general remark about number words in languages all over the world. Most Indo-European and Semitic languages semantically organize their number words in groups of ten, and conveniently, the numerals we use to express these numbers also work in groups of ten. You see, we have the words one through ten, and the words for every subsequent set of ten are constructed by recombining or slightly modifying these pre-existing building blocks. For example, the word for four tens is called forty, which obviously preserves the word four, but creates a new meaning by adding the suffix ty. If we look closely enough, however, that suffix isn't so new. ty which designates a group of 10, is actually cognate with the word 10 itself. Let's say we have four tens and five ones. From this grouping, we derive the word 45. Now, all English speakers know this intuitively. In fact, we probably never had to learn this rule at all. But when we analyze it, it's self-evident that our language inherently contains a very efficient method for creating number words all the way to infinity with just a handful of building blocks. Of course, 
Words that introduce increasingly larger sets of 10, such as 100, 1,000, or million, require some new terminology, but barring these exceptions, the fundamental linguistic principle for number building all the way through infinity remains the same. English is not unique in its ability to express infinity using just a handful of base number words. In fact, it's a necessary part of any language that contains number words, simply because we couldn't remember a million completely different words for a million completely different numbers. However, it's not necessary for number words to correlate to a base of 10. For instance, some of the languages among the Tibeto-Burman family use a variety of non-10 bases, and the same is true of the native languages of Papua New Guinea. Even within the Indo-European languages, there are sometimes variations of the straight-ahead base 10 rule. A great example of this occurs in French. French uses words that follow the base 10 rule until it hits 70, which is called soixante dix, literally 60 plus 10. After that, 80 is called quatre vingt, literally 4 times 20, and 90 is quatre vingt dix, literally 4 times 2 plus 10. So it switches to a base 20 naming system, but base 10 is still prominent here because 20 is a multiple of 10. Although this may seem like an odd turn for the language to take, it doesn't actually invent any brand new words out of the blue. So why am I telling you all of this about the base 10 rule in an etymological discussion of 11 and 12? Well, for starters, it demonstrates the fact that number words generally adhere to strict rules of ordering. Also, 10 is the root of the suffix teen, which, based on the construction of the words for 13 through 19, should have been applied to 11 and 12. So, 11 and 12. Where did they come from? They seem to be anomalies with no apparent semantic logic behind them, unlike the odd but logical French words for 70 through 90. 12 does resemble the corresponding word 2 in the spelling of its first two letters, but that doesn't account for the elve part of the word. As for 11, how do you even connect that to the word 1? Let's get to the bottom of this. As it turns out, the oddity of 11 and 12 has been around in the English language since the very beginning. If we look back to Old English, the word for 11 is recorded as enleophon or endleophon, and the word for 12 was twelif. Let's look at the history of 11 first. Etymologically, enleophon isn't as random as it may seem. Actually, it isn't random at all. The N in enleophon is derived from the Old English word for one. For such a fundamental word, the word for one has experienced many sound shifts over the course of its history. It first appears in the written record as on, spelled A-N, but by the end of the Old English period and the beginning of the Middle English period, its pronunciation had shifted to own, which accounts for the spelling of the word as it exists today. 
It also accounts for the pronunciation of words such as only and alone, which, believe it or not, are actually contractions of one-like and all-one, respectively. Our modern pronunciation of the word with an initial W sound, a contradiction to its spelling, was a feature of the southwestern dialects of English that developed in the 14th century, and somehow this became standardized. These inconsistencies of pronunciation help explain the mismatched vowel sounds between the modern words 11 and 1, even though they're ultimately derived from the same word. By the Middle English period, the N sound in enleophon had disappeared, thus producing the word eleovan. The disappearance of the N further obscured the etymological connection between 1 and 11. It also goes to show that one form of a word can experience a certain sound shift while another version of that same word may remain the same or even experience a completely different sound shift. Examples of this abound in English. Off the top of my head, the examples that come to mind are five and fifteen, Spain and Spanish, and Christ and Christmas. No doubt there are a bazillion more, and I think these serve to make the point. Anyway, that takes care of the N in enleophon. Now, what about the leophon part? According to most etymologists, leophon derives from the Proto-Indo-European root word leiqua, which meant to leave. If this is correct, then enleophon literally meant one left, as in ten with one left over, or ten with one left out. If that seems a little strange to you, think about counting up to ten on your fingers. If you assign one number to one finger, you can count to ten, but if you want to count to eleven, there's one left out. Hence, enleophon. This Proto-Indo-European root word, leikwa, would make its way into English in a varied assortment of other words such as eclipse, derelict, loan, and relinquish, yet it did not produce the word leave, as you may have assumed. Leave, whose original English meaning was more akin to permission, comes from leubuch, another Proto-Indo-European root word which meant love or desire, interestingly enough. As for the etymology of 12, it follows a very similar construction. The Old English word twelif literally means two left, which again is best interpreted as ten and two left. The twe in twelve derives from the Old English word twa, which meant two. Over time, the pronunciation of the W sound in the number 2 deteriorated, yet it remains in the pronunciation of 12. It also remains in the spelling of the word 2. Here's yet another example of how one version of a word can be affected by a sound change while another may not. The evolution from twa to two is actually quite fascinating, and I did an entire episode on it about six or seven months ago. If you haven't heard it, I recommend checking it out after this one. As for the leaf in leaf, it's cognate with the leophon in enleophon, which again meant left out or left over. 
Side note here. Another version of this same suffix appears in the Old English phrases darotalaf and hamoralaf, which meant the leavings of spears and the leavings of hammers, respectively. Darotalaf, or the leaving of spears, referred to Vikings who had survived in battle with the Anglo-Saxons. In other words, Vikings who had been left behind after the conclusion of a battle with spears. And Hamoralaf, or the leavings of hammers, was a kenning, aka an Old English compound word, for sword, because if you beat a piece of metal with a hammer in the right way for a long enough time, you would leave behind a sword. These are semantically clunky and somewhat simplistic constructions to our modern ears, but unbeknownst to 99% of us, they are the same exact constructions that we use every day in the words 11 and 12. So now that we know the logic behind the etymologies of 11 and 12, what's the logic behind the logic? In other words, why use a semantic construction that breaks the uniformity of a firmly established counting system for just two numbers? The answer to that question is, I don't know for sure. I don't think anyone knows for sure. Even though we may never fully understand the ultimate causality here, we can push our investigation into the matter a little further. English is not alone in its one-left and two-left constructions for 11 and 12. German, Dutch, Norse, and Gothic do the same thing for their words for 11 and 12. If you're a historical linguistics buff, then you know that all of these languages have a very huge thing in common. They're all Germanic languages, which is to say that they all derive from a single ancestral mother tongue. Earlier, I said that the constructions for 11 and 12 have been around since the beginning of English, but in fact, they've been around for much, much longer than that. Their cognates across all the Germanic languages tell us that these oddball constructions were part of the Proto-Germanic language, or the First Germanic language. Even though they are indeed odd, none of the subsequent Germanic languages derived from Proto-Germanic ditched them in favor of the more logical one-teen and two-teen constructions. This is probably because number words are so fundamental to everyday life and are resilient to change because they're learned so early on. However, since the Germanic languages are the only branch of the Indo-European language family that uniformly does this, a unique change did have to occur at some point in time, but this event is shrouded to us by the impenetrability of prehistory. Or maybe... This change never took place at all. In his book, Number Words and Number Symbols, Carl Menninger puts forth the theory that early on, quote, the Germanic number sequence at one time ran only as far as 10. Anything above that was more. One and two more than 10 were still counted, but anything beyond them was perhaps, as so often happens among primitive people, merely considered many. Then, along with the later clear conception of numbers, the subsequent computational number word formations arose. 
3 and 10 became 13, 4 and 10 became 14, 5 and 10 became 15, and so on. End quote. Based on my research, it doesn't seem like this theory is widely acknowledged, but that doesn't mean that it has no merit. I actually find its simplicity both fascinating and very plausible. Oddly enough, the Lithuanian language is the only other Indo-European language whose number words for 11 through 19 are formed by saying 1 left, 2 left, 3 left, and so on. The suffix it uses is lika, which linguists have proposed comes from lekwa, the same Proto-Indo-European root word that produced the suffixes found in the Old English words enleofon and twelif. How the heck did this happen? By chance? That's always possible, but not really likely. It may have occurred due to early prehistoric contact between the Lithuanian and Germanic languages, whereby Lithuanian speakers picked up on this Germanic formation for 11 and 12, and then applied it in their own language for the numbers 11 through 19. However, the historical linguistics of Lithuanian is not an area of expertise for me, so I won't venture to say anything more about the topic. If any listeners have further insight on this that they'd like me to share, shoot an email to me at wordsforgranted at gmail.com, and I'd love to share it on the next show. All right, that's it for this one, guys. I hope you loved it and that you learned something that you didn't know before. Again, if you want to support the show, patreon.com slash wordsforgranted is your ticket. You can follow me on Twitter at at wordsforgranted and on Facebook as wordsforgranted. You can email me directly with comments, criticisms, and concerns at wordsforgranted at gmail.com. And last but not least, don't forget to leave a positive review on iTunes or your podcast directory of choice if you love the show. Those reviews boost the visibility of the shows in search engines somehow, and it's my mission to get this podcast into the hands of as many people as possible. Okay, thanks a lot. Have a great day.